Good to see you today in the Lord's house. A blessing to have you with us. And those that have joined us through live stream, it's good that you've been able to join us, and we trust that God will bless you as we worship Him together at this time. A word of thanks to William Cuthbertson for salting the car park. It was a, a frosty night, and it's good that the car park is salted and kept safe for uh, those of us who are walking into the building. And uh, also thank you to Mrs. Coulter for stepping in very late notice to, to play today. And Mrs. Urban is unwell, so just pray for Mrs. Urban at this time that she'll speedily be returned to health and to strength. Uh, today is the first Sunday of the month, so Missionary Christian Education Offering is received, and please bear that in mind. And there will be communion afterwards for all those that are saved and walking with with the Lord. Uh, do please take note of the announcements for the, the incoming week. Uh, this uh, evening, we're going to be looking at the subject of Methuselah, the life and death of the oldest man. So we'll be thinking about that uh, tonight in the Gospels. Come along for the Gospel service tonight at 7 o'clock. And then on Wednesday, we have the prayer meeting Bible study, the Bible clubs this week as well, of course. Just a little word about the prayer meeting. We're not going to have it in the church hall for the duration of the winter months. We're going to move into the prayer room. Um, it is cozier in there. It's, it's, it's easier to heat. And we will still be able to either stream or do Zoom. We may actually do Zoom for those that are at home. Uh, so you keep looking at your, your messages and uh, you'll get that link through. And we'll keep you up to date with what we're going to do. But the prayer meeting will be in the in the prayer room. So we just come through the main foyer here and make our way into the prayer room that way on Wednesday evening. And then on Friday, uh, Youth Fellowship. And uh, do please uh, remember all of the meetings. Pray that God will bless his word. And regarding the, the election on the 1st of March, uh, once again, the, the, the list will be posted today. Uh, and as well as uh, just keep your eye on the list, uh, make sure your name is on it. We would also ask you uh, those that are, are uh, voting by postal vote, if you're not able to come along, uh, we need to have those in by next uh, Sunday. So uh, please get in, in touch with us if you want to use a postal vote, and that would be uh, appreciated. And we thank you. Well, we thank you for that. Do please remember all the various prayer requests. Keep all of these matters, please, before the Lord, those that are sick, those that are laid aside, those that are suffering, the work of God, the election. Pray that God will bless all the various elements of his work at this time. Uh, let's now have another hymn together, and the hymn 518. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis a task the Master just for you has planned. He is to do his bidding, yield him service through. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. You know, it's true. There's a work for the Lord that you can do that I can't do, and there's a work for the Lord that I can do that you can't do. And that's true of every individual here. And it's a good hymn of dedication. It's a good hymn of an encouragement. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. So let's sing this hymn together uh, before the Sunday school come in. Let's stand together. Master, 
Let's turn in the Scriptures to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. I'd like to welcome the Sunday School to the meeting today. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. And we're going to commence reading from the verse 14. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, and we're going to read from the verse 14. First Corinthians 12, the verse 14. <clears throat> For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, of all the gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Amen. We know that God will add his own blessing to the reading of his infallible, inspired word. Let us seek the Lord for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God as we ponder thy word today. We pray for your help. We pray for the liberty of the Spirit. We pray for wisdom to understand. Father, I pray the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. The text that I'm going to use as the, the basis from which to begin the message today is the verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. In preparation for the election to the church committee, I want to preach three sermons. It is right that I should do this just to bring before you the Word of God, what God's Word would have to say on this matter. We operate this election to the church committee, but we also operate all of our church meetings according to the terms of Presbyterian church government. And there are various forms of church government that are practiced by churches. But it is our conviction, and it is it's my conviction, that Presbyterian church government is the scriptural form of church government. And therefore today, I want to lay the foundation. And I want us to take a step back, and I want us to think about the, the basis underpinning any of our elections to offices within the church. I'm going to look at the principles underpinning all of our offices within the church, whether it be the office of, of teaching elder, the office that I hold, the office of ruling elder, the office of deacon, even the 
position of church member. All of these offices fall under the terms of the scriptural form of church government, which is, I am convinced, Presbyterian, the church discipline. And therefore, today, we're going to consider the scriptural basis of Presbyterian church government. You see, we do not do things in God's house whatever way we like. We do not do them because they are traditional, because they've been handed down from one generation to the next. We do things as we see fit because we see them in God's Word, because we discover them in God's Word. And that's the important thing, and that's the, the, the fact that we must always get before our minds. Even the way that we structure our church service with a, a pulpit here in the middle emphasizing the importance of God's Word in our ministry. We sing psalms, we sing hymns, we sing spiritual songs. All of this is found in God's Word. All of this is taught in Scripture. There is nothing that has been contrived by man. And any departure from this is a departure from the Word of God itself and is the beginning of the long road to apostasy. And so we need to ensure that we know that what we do, we do because it is taught in the Word of God. And so we're going to think about the scriptural basis of Presbyterian church government today. And there are four simple observations I want to make here. In Presbyterian church government, we have structures that reflect the unity of the church. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is using one of his great metaphors to show how the church is a unity. And he uses the metaphor of the, the human body. And we know that there's all these different parts and elements to the human body, but yet they're all part of one body. So from the, the crown of our head right down to your big toe, it's all part of the human body, and it all has an important unity. And the body is a living thing. It is an organic unity. It's alive. And therefore, within the church of Christ, we need to reflect that through our organization and through our structures, that the church is a living body. Therefore, we do not practice independency. Where every congregation is independent of each other, we practice Presbyterianism, where every church within our fellowship is joined together by a presbytery. Uh, we are not just a, a loose association of, of churches or congregations. We are bound together through structures that reflect the unity of Christ's body, and that is a very scriptural thing. But this unity is reflected also in the local church, not merely in the denomination. So as members, you choose your office bearers, and that is a reflection of the unity of Christ's body where the communicant members will prayerfully select who their office bearers are. And on account of that, you're then represented in the deliberations of session and committee. And again, you're represented 
at an international levels where your elders have a duty to represent you in this congregation in presbytery. And so right through all of the, the various elements of the church from membership right through to the committee and, and the session and to the presbytery, we are linked together. And it is scriptural that we should be so. Now, the, the basic part of Presbyterian church governance that we need to be a part of in order for us to be engaged in this is church membership, communicant membership. Without communicant membership at the basis of the church, there will not be men to draw from to be ministers, to be deacons, to be elders, to be presbyters. And so, communicant membership where the members choose from amongst their own men, people to govern them, to rule over them, to make decisions on their behalf. That's the most important thing, and it is a scriptural thing. For example, Acts chapter 9 and the verse 26. Look it up, please. It's a key text which explains that church membership is a scriptural thing. The great apostle Paul sought to be a member of the church at Antioch. The great apostle Paul submitted himself to the rigors of church membership. In Acts chapter 9 and the verse 26, what do we read? And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, and then they didn't want him. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. And he knew himself that it'd be a tough thing for them to accept him, and eventually they had to accept him. Because this man Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and said, God has saved this man. He's not what he once was. But he knew that he had to join himself to the disciples. That word join is a very strong word. It actually means to glue yourself to the disciples. He wanted to be part of their number, part of their fellowship. And so this unity is an important unity. It's a biblical unity. It's a scriptural unity. It's one that even Paul himself submitted himself to. That's the first thing we observe. There needs to be structures reflecting the unity of the church. But secondly, there needs to be discipline reflecting the authority of the church. Staying with the human body, the human body is a remarkably disciplined, functioning thing. It's, it's an amazing thing. The, the amount of processes that we undergo in a day, even in a minute, even in a second, it's astonishing. The way the mind can operate and pass signals and we receive signals through the eyes, through the ears, processed by the brain. It's amazing the things that we're able to do. Even the gift of speech is such an intricate thing. And this is why scientists have great problems creating robots to do the things that humans can do. And man more and more is able to create machines that can do amazing things. But these machines, it's so difficult to get them to perform 
the way the human body can perform. And it just shows you how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. And the reason why the body performs as it does is because all of the different parts of the body are in harmony with each other. In like manner, the church must be a disciplined unit where all of the parts of the church are in harmony with each other for the body to function. We are known as Presbyterian because the word Presbyterian, it actually means ruled by elders. That's what the word means. And it comes from the Greek word presbyteros, and we read that word over and over in the New Testament, wherever there were churches. That church was not a church unless there were elders ruling over them. And that's what the the word Presbyterian means. Now, here in, in this congregation, we have seven ruling elders, and then myself as a teaching elder, and together it is our task to govern the church, to look after the spiritual affairs of the work of God. Now, when we sit together, we are called the Kirk Session. It's a Scottish word. It was John Knox who really planted Presbyterianism in Scotland. And from the work that he did in Scotland in establishing the Church of Scotland, and it is such a a terrible thing to see the moderator of the Church of Scotland, one who, at least in, in, in form but not in spirit, is an inheritor of of Knox, but he's nothing like Knox, because there he is uh, sitting alongside the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury and submitting himself to papal authority in South Sudan. Total betrayal of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let's just get back to this. The word Kirk Session, it means the court of the church. The word session, it's a legal word in Scotland, it means court. The word Kirk, Scots for church. It's the court of the church. And whenever the session meets, we meet prayerfully with a heart for the work and for all the families. But we always act before God in a way that honors God for the benefit of the work, for the benefit of the church. And there are disciplines associated with the church, with the harmony of the church that we must always remember. And the first disciplines is actually the disciplines for the elders themselves, for us as we do our work. And the the elder has a duty to be disciplined to the Bible and to the confession of faith that we subscribe to whenever we were ordained to this ministry. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and the verse 17, we are taught this very important text. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. One day, Peter McIntyre must stand before God and give an account as one that has watched over your souls. And that's a solemn thing. And that's the first discipline. It's a discipline to Almighty God. And then there's a second discipline for the elder. We are called to be subject to one another. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, in the verses 5 and 6, we read, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye all of you, 
be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Yes, it is true that the member needs to be subject to the elder, but it is equally true and more true that the elder must be subject to his fellow elders within session. We are subject to one another, and that requires humility because God gives grace to the humble. And then there's a third discipline here. As elders, we must be subject to presbytery. And presbytery does give a lot of latitude to the local church, but where there are rules that govern the local church, the elder must be subject to that presbytery and to the rules of that presbytery. And within presbytery, we therefore are subject to one another. You know, brethren and sisters, it's the first thing that I learned and I was taught whenever I went to Bible college. I didn't know very much. I still can't preach very well, but I definitely didn't preach very well then. And I came with a lot of weaknesses and inabilities. And, but there's one thing I was taught. And unless I learned this lesson, I could never have been useful for God. The first lesson I was taught was this. As a student, you're under authority. And you respect that authority. And without that, a man will never be useful for God. And so there needs to be that subjection to presbytery. But then there's a fourth discipline. The, the members of the church and the committee as well, they need to be subject to the elders and to their spiritual oversight. In the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the verses 12 through to 15, look it up, very important text. It is a text that actually it teaches us that it is important and it is scriptural to have elections. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12 we read, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble mind that support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So we, we need to know the men that labor among us and are over us and admonish us. So the church draws from its own membership men to be over them, men whom, who are known, men who are respected. And those men have a, have a duty, and we're told something of the duty that they need to do to those that are under them in the work. There needs to be a duty of warning, of comforting, of supporting, of admonishing as well. And all of this is important in order that the body might function. And you know, Christ said with reference, and this is a solemn thing, Christ said with reference to the deliberations of church courts, and it was in reference to a problem in the, the church and the, the church needing to 
look at this problem. Christ said in Matthew chapter 18 and the verse 18, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven, for where the two and three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's often quoted in relation to prayer. Yes, it is true. We come together to pray in a united way. God hears prayers. God answers prayer. But the whole context there is relating to the deliberations of those that govern the church. Whatever you bind on earth, we bind in heaven. As you conduct this good work for the glory of God and for the kingdom of Christ. And then there is another discipline here as well. The committee need to be subject to one another. And this is where we come to the office of committee after looking at all of that basis. We need men in committee who are able to be subject to one another. As they help the elders with the finances, with the practicalities of the work of God. And, you know, the Bible always emphasizes that church oversight must be plural. Paul talked about elders in the various churches. He never talked about having one overseeing bishop or archbishop, one person called to oversee all. There's always elders, a plurality of people. And likewise, he talked about deacons. And we'll come to look at the qualifications of the deacon next time. There is a discipline in being able to work with others. God wants us to work together. And so as you think in, a, in the congregation what kind of men should we be choosing before God to hold this office? And you know, you may have many thoughts, you know, thinking of people with ability in this or ability in that. And all of that is useful and it's great when it's used by the Spirit of God. And you may have many thoughts, much thinking, but ultimately we need men who have a heart for God's work. Men who have an evident love, a desire for the work of God. And those kinds of men will be men who will be able to work well with others. The ability to listen to others, the ability to accept the viewpoint in others, all of that makes a good office bearer. I know a man who's in business, you know, and he tells me whenever he's looking for an employee, if he hears a prospective candidate is an office bearer in a church, not just you know, a particular church, but an office bearer in any kind of church setting, he'll think to himself, now there's somebody that can work well with others. And that's such a great testimony. And we need people with that kind of testimony for the work of God to go forward. And then, uh, and the third thing I want us to think about here, the elections that we hold within the church, it reflects the democracy of the church. Presbyterian church government laid the basis for democracy in society. I have a theory, and as you know, I have a great interest in history and in how history influences our present, but I have a theory that without the power of Presbyterianism in Scotland, that democracy would never have come to the British Isles as it came. And, and, and I do have that belief because Presbyterianism, it's a very democratic structure that accepts this great doctrine, the priesthood of all believers. We all have immense importance and we, we choose our, our office bearers and then we, we give them the authority to rule over us. And 
the Bible teaches that this is so. The first problem the early church encountered, days of revival, there was a problem. There was a, a difficulty between the, the Hebrew Christians and the Greek Christians, and there were jealousies that had crept in, and the apostles had to solve this problem. So what did they do in Acts chapter 6? Go and read it later on. The apostles basically said to the people, look, you pick seven men to deal with this matter and get it solved. We can't deal with it. We need to pray and we need to preach God's word. We need to study God's word. So we can't deal with this problem, but you choose seven men and they'll deal with it. And the people they chose, the seven men, one of them was Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And they were men who were filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Isn't that a qualification? Oh, may God help us to be men who are filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Now there's a fourth matter I want to bring before you here as we look at this and then we're finished today. Uh, we, in Presbyterian church government, we have ministries that reflect the diversity of the church. Now here in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will notice that all the different ministries of the church, they are compared to different parts of the human body. And he talks about the different ministries here. Some of them are applicable primarily to the apostolic age. Some of them transfer to this age in which we're living in. I'm not going to go into all of that now because we haven't time. But there's apostles, there's prophets, there's teachers, there's miracles, there's healings, there's helps, there's governments, there's diversities of tongues or languages. And he talks about all the different gifts. I suppose with reference to what we're doing in terms of electing men onto committee, we're electing people that are helps and governments. Helps and governments. Helps, always good to be of help in God's work. There's something very wonderfully positive about being a helper. A helper in the work of God. If God just makes us a helper, cog in the wheel of the great kingdom of God place where we can use what abilities God has given us for him. Isn't that wonderful? And thank God for the, the helpers we have. We have so many helpers here in the church on so many levels. We have Sunday school teachers, we have children's workers, we have, we have musicians, we, we, we have those that are in office in the church, we have our members, we have those who, who pray the giving of the church. So many helps. Such a blessing to my heart and soul. And all of this reflects the diversity of the church. And the value of that diversity, we cannot all be the same. We cannot all have the same talent. We cannot all have the same ability. We cannot all have the same place because the body can't be one big head. There needs to be the head, the hands, the feet, the fingers, the thumbs, the toes. There needs to be the beating heart. There needs to be the lungs. There needs to be the liver. There needs to be those parts at university and yet how important they are. And God fashions it all together to be this thing that we call the human body in which we live and breathe and have our being. They're year the bodies of Christ and members in particular. God has a place for us in the work of God. He has a place for you in the work of God. And I just make this appeal to the men who are on the list. If the Lord has a place for you in this committee, then you pray about that. And you pray that if it is the Lord's will that God will put that upon the heart of the membership as they elect. 
And if it is not the Lord's will, that the membership will choose someone else. But it's about being subject to God, allowing Him to lead. You see, one of the the great things about this form of government is that we come together, we sit together, we talk, and every man has a different perspective, a different way of looking at things, a different temperament, a different personality, a different ability. But without those differences coming together, we cannot form one mind. And prayerfully, that one mind, we believe and we trust it is the mind of the Spirit of God Himself. Therefore, if the Lord wants you to be in this work, He wants you to be in this work because you have a place and you have a contribution that you will be able to bring. But again, I stress, we need men that are filled with desire for the work of God. And may God give us such men. I would ask you as a congregation to be much in prayer that God will lead and guide that His will would be done, that all the various gifts and talents that we have, they will be honed, nurtured by the Spirit of God for Christian work. And let us set aside all of our own notions and preconceptions and, and judgments. People that have very little obvious natural ability when they're filled with a love for God, can do more than the person with lots of natural ability. One person may seem older. Moses was 80 years of age, and God had his life's work ahead of him. One may seem young, but Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. You have a work to do. Let's be mindful of this, that we might be led and guided by the Spirit of God in these days. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for the direction that your word supplies and help us to be guided by the principles of your truth at this time. For Christ's sake.